My name's Rich Brown. Uh, I'm not Rich or Brown. That's what my parents called me. And uh, Lisa, and we are missionaries, your international workers from uh, Latin America to the Latin American youth. And we're super excited to be here because for us, it's like coming back home. We were youth pastors in Northridge uh, back in the 90s. And, um, and got to do a lot of Bible quizzing together and, and see your church and, and serve alongside as, as youth pastors, associate pastors like Thomas and Miriam were here at the time and, and others. So it's good for us to be back home. Uh, and also, Corban was here the, the first year I think the gym was open, maybe, 2009-ish. Uh, and, and yeah, it was fun to be here, I guess, who was telling us that. Uh, yeah, I forget who it was. It was just telling me that. But uh, yeah, so it's fun to, to come back again and see that the Lord is still working here and see what God is doing. We also have so many fond memories of last time we were here was January right before COVID, 2020. Remember, we were all celebrating, had no idea what was coming. That free uh, life. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, uh, but missions is, is amazing, and your church has been so involved in missions. Also, a team came from, a team came from, from here to Ecuador. Raise your hand if you're on the short-term team to Ecuador. Let's give them a round of applause. Thank you guys for coming. It was amazing to have you guys down. And then everyone else needs an applause for helping them get there, financing it and helping them, praying for them. Three nights in Miami. What kind of a missions trip is that overseas? <laughs> uh, they had to spend some time in the, in the hotel there because of some changes of flights and all that thing, all, all those things. But the Lord used them, yeah. and I think the Lord is yeah. also using the mission field to uh, encourage each and every one of us. Mm-hmm. That's so great. Um, so Rich and I have been married 33 years now. You still love me? Of course. Oh, yeah, Do you still love me? I've always. <laughs> okay, good. Before these witnesses, no. <laughs> um, and we uh, can't believe now how time is flying. We have four children. Um, Olivia is married and has two children. And so now we are in the best stage of our whole entire life. I, I said this last time we were here. We have two grandsons. Last time I was here, we were just expecting, like we were waiting for the moment. There they are. Elias is going to be turning three in December, and Oliver is turning one in November. Now, the thing about, that you need to know about Oliver, the baby, is he was born on the first day of the World Cup. Soccer. And Ecuador played that very first day. Matter of fact, he was born about two hours before the game started, and we all, including his mama, watched the game. And Ecuador won. Woo! That's my team. So (laughs) then when he turned one month old, um, Argentina won the entire World Cup, and I'm from Argentina. So obviously, he's going to be the favorite grandson forever. No, he's not the favorite. (laughs) Um, And then our other three kids are all living in Florida. Our youngest actually is Alexa Brown. You guys here um, have adopted her as your MK and have treated her so, so well. You have been such a blessing. Oh, I get emotional. Such a blessing in her life. And I just thank you so much because as you blessed her, you really blessed us. And she had some some dark times. And... um, 
pulled through. She just graduated from university now. Um, her degree is in hospitality. She works at the Four Seasons Hotel in Orlando, which is pretty fancy, they tell me. And um, she says she gets paid to work with kids because she's the uh, one of the kids club directors. So she's doing really, really, really well. Thank you. Thank you so much. We know that it's because of your guys' prayer and the community that you formed around her. So thank you very much. And we love our partnership with Carrie Alliance. Uh, we prayed with you guys through Pastor Mitchell's passing. That mm -hmm. was a tough time for you guys, we know. We were praying for you guys. We're praying for Thomas and Miriam and the rest of the pastoral staff as well. Uh, but, but continue going forward. We're excited to see you guys plugging forward and, and keeping your eyes on the prize. Um, also want to say hi to Rose. We stayed with Rose last time. She's not with us. We know she's not doing well uh, uh, right now, but, but she's, I think she's saying hi to us on, the, oh, good, good, on good. social media. So hopefully we, love you, Rose. we stayed with <laughs> she and Dean uh, last time and had a great time. Mm -hmm. But the privilege to be here is to talk about missions. And, and as international workers for the Christian Missionary Alliance, the, the Alliance has asked us to start Inca Link. And Incalink exists to reach the 300 million youth of Latin America. How many youth of Latin America? 300 million youth of Latin America. People say, well, how are you going to do that? Well, we don't reach them. The Holy Spirit does. But we're called to be the ambassadors, and we, and we go, and we, we kind of do it. All of our projects fit into four categories. And if you can help me with your hands this morning, hold up your hands. There's four ways. First is evangelism contextualized. We've got to reach people where they are. I know your arms are heavy. Keep them up high. We can do it. Number two, training leaders. We can't reach 300 million by ourselves. We've got to train others that will help. Third is connecting people. Short-term missions that have a long-term impact. Those that came down on the short-term team are helping us. And fourth, the social work, the teen pregnancy homes and the garbage dump ministries. Turn your hand upside down. We're almost done. The social work attracts our teams. We actually charge our teams a little bit more and we involve them a little bit more so that we can do the evangelism and the discipleship. See where the thumb is here? Discipleship happens through the whole thing. Discipleship is in all four areas. Incalink has 28 projects in nine countries with 35 missionaries that raise their support and serve through Incalink, 150 nationals, and we like to say we're more like Target or Walmart than we are Coca-Cola or Pepsi. Why? Because any ministry, not product, but any ministry that God wants to use to reach youth in Latin America, of Latin America, we're all about that as long as it's biblical, within biblical confines. So we have professional soccer teams and basketball teams and camps and all kinds of things. We started... Inca Link in Peru. That's why the word Inca is in there. Some of the guys in our youth group were part of us founding Inca Link, and they said, let's go do something about it. So the started in Peru, then went to Ecuador, then Colombia, and that's the next slide. We have, uh, we, we started in those three countries for almost 10 years, and now the nine countries that we're in include Costa Rica, Guatemala, Honduras, Mexico, the states in Canada is funneling resources and personnel, but also, did you know this? 10% of the 300 million youth of Latin America live in the United States. When you guys reach young people, Latino young people here in the States, you're helping us reach the 300 million youth of Latin America. So Inca Link USA started this year. 
We have a soccer team that is professional in Ecuador, men's and women's team, 250 children, all the way up to the professional teams that are being discipled through sports. We use music and sports and can't, anything God wants to use. Our team Cumbre Alta, one of the most exciting things that happened this year is that they sent their own Ecuadorian missions team to the United States. The soccer players and the coaches did soccer camps for Latino kids in Louisiana, Texas, Dallas and, and Longview and Colorado Springs. 750 kids went to soccer camps this summer and heard about Jesus from a missions trip of Ecuadorians here in the States. We've got to continue to partner together to reach the world, and in our case, it's to reach Latin America with the love of Christ. And our last goal here is one of the things we're looking at for the future is a soccer stadium. We're going to have an Inkling soccer stadium called Cumbre Alta in, uh, in Ecuador to where that's going to be a place of reaching the youth of Latin America. We have a little video, I believe. Uh, yeah, the stadium is not built yet. It's Right now, it's a piece of property uh, like the one on the left and someday it'll be a stadium like that so we can reach more people for christ um i think we have a little video let's see if we can get that video to work all right here we go down you participate with us in that and let's continue this partnership and see how God continues to help and reach people here and help and reach people overseas Lisa and I people have asked us so where do you live we were 10 years in Peru as as youth as youth pastors and missionaries the guys in the band were all in our youth group at one point and they've all grown up and have their families but um, but then we went to Ecuador for 15 years and the mission asked us to read to uh, starting Kalink so we did, and Inkalink is now uh, reaching the youth. And, and our family and Inkalink, we're doing our best to try to live on mission. And that's what our uh, sermon title is today, Living on Mission. And people say, well, what do you mean when you talk about living on mission? And I think about how living on mission is truly just having in the forefront of your mind what your purpose is. For living. And as Christians, what is our purpose? What should our purpose be? When we give our life to Christ, we're surrendering our whole life and we're living for Him, right? So, what's our purpose? To glorify the Lord in all things. Now, in Matthew, they asked Jesus, of all the laws and commandments, what are the most important? What did Jesus say? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. 
Those two laws cover all the rest of the laws and the prophets. So I think it's fair to say when we're talking about living on mission, living on purpose, that we can translate that to mean loving on purpose. Wherever we are, loving our families in the morning, when we're getting ready, when we go to work, when we're studying, when we're at school, camps, whatever the case may be, even traffic. Not traffic. <laughs> we can live on mission by loving on purpose. God first and then all those who are around us. Um, I want to pray and then we'll read the passage uh, for this morning. Let's pray together. Lord, you are so good. You're always working. Give us eyes to see you, ears to hear you. Give us courage to live loving on purpose. May we be intentional in glorifying you, in loving you first above all things, in surrendering our life to you, Lord, and walking by faith, not by sight. I pray a special blessing on this congregation too, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. If you'll turn with me um, in your Bibles to Matthew 25, 34 to 40. If you didn't bring your Bibles, we've got it up on the screen as well. Let's read along with me. Then the king will say to those on the right, come you who are blessed by my father. Take your inheritance, the kingdom prepared for you since the, the creation of the world. For I was hungry and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger and you invited me in. I needed clothes and you clothed me. I was sick and you looked after me. I was in prison and you came to visit me. Then the righteous ones will reply, Lord, when did we ever see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you something to drink or a stranger and follow your hospitality and show you hospitality or naked and give you clothing? When did we ever see you sick or in prison and visit you? And the king will say, I tell you the truth, when you did it to one of the least of these, my brothers and sisters, you were doing it to me. Now we all know that we have salvation through faith alone in Jesus and it's through grace that we're saved and it's a free gift for us according to Romans and we don't serve others because we want to be saved. It's already something that has happened and we do that as fruit. But James says it this way, show me your faith without works and I'll show you my faith by what I do. Faith without works is dead, James says. A relationship with Jesus Christ has consequences. It's shown by the fruit that is produced. The good fruit only comes from God. So we serve because we love and we love God because he first loved us and he's the one that asked us to, to return that love to him and to those around us. I don't know if you noticed that last part of the verse. Let's go back to the last part of the verse. When it talks about the least of these or the ones that are uh, le uh, least significant, the insignificant ones is what it's talking about. The way that we treat the needy or the least of these is the way that we treat the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, the word least of these has a, a, a kind of bad rap because it's in, inferring that they're less than. It doesn't say less than ever. It says least of these, which implies people who are in need. And who are the people who are in need? 
There's a little bit of debate about this in the church and among Christians that maybe we should just only serve those who are in need that are part of the family of God. That uh, the word there is adelfon mu, the, 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 the least of these are the brothers and sisters who are in need. But it, it continues to, to, to be explained throughout the whole book of Matthew that least of these is probably just people who are in need in the church. However, if we go a step further and we talk about the image of God, in, it's implied by the verse that Lisa was inferring about when Jesus said, love God and love your neighbor as yourself. So if you look at the, the whole of Scripture, you can say serve anyone in need. If you look at the specific book of Matthew, serve those who are in the church who are in need. Which one should we do? Both. Both of them we have to do. And Jesus, I love the way that Jesus as our example does that. He, he served no matter who it was that was in need at the time. Not just the ones who believed in him, but the ones that were in need. He, he healed a leper, a leper and a woman who was bleeding continually. He healed a servant of a Roman centurion, a non-Jew. He healed a, a blind man and a, and a, a deaf man and a, you know, endemonial, a demon-possessed person, and, and many more. There's a quality of the mercy of Jesus that does not discriminate. Let me repeat that. There's a, mercy, there's a quality of the mercy of Jesus that does not discriminate. So when we look at it, it means we all need to serve those in need around us. We need to love them well. So how can we love them well? In this sermon, we have two points, two tips that we can give from our experience that we think is a good way to love well and also scripturally based, and then a challenge. The third point is a challenge. And again, love God first and love your neighbor. It's a simple, it's not complex to understand that, but be, not just because it's simple doesn't mean it's easy. We all have people in our life who are easy to love. My grandkids, for example, are so easy to love. I thought you were going to say me. Well, you too. I love you too. But there's also all of us have people in our lives that are not so easy to love, that challenge us to, okay, I love God, and I'm going to love this person who has the image of God in them. So the first thing that we need to do is we need to know our communities. We need to know our communities. Everybody needs to be seen. And I'm gonna tell you the truth, all across the world, we travel a lot, right? We're nomads. We see that we have lost the art, not only of listening to each other, everybody has an opinion, everybody gives their opinion, nobody listens, everybody's sort of building their arguments as the other person is talking. We've lost the art of listening. But I'm gonna take it a step further. We have lost the art of even seeing one another. I'm from a big city, Buenos Aires. It's huge, 20 million people, I, I don't know, something like that. And um, I always told my kid, but it never felt like a big city because when you're walking down the street, we would always greet people. We'd always talk to one another. You'd get on the subway and people would talk about the day. I loved that feel. I was just in January back in my city and this is what everybody was doing. Here's what we can do. We have established the art of walking while we're looking down at our phones. In the subway, people are all looking at their screens. And I hate to say it, but I see it here too. 
We don't even see each other anymore. And as youth pastors for years and years and years, we do a lot of counseling, we listen to a lot of people, and over and over again, we hear, nobody listens to me, nobody sees me. Our very own daughter, the one you guys adopted, went to high school in Texas her first year, came home crying, saying, I'm invisible. Nobody sees me. Nobody sees me. What an awful feeling. And it makes me think about Jesus again and his example, as Rich was saying. 2,000 years ago, the Samaritan woman, the woman at the well, there she was, and Jesus chose to see her, to listen to her. Even though she was from a race that the Jews hated, even though she was a woman, even though she was five times divorced, a sinner. But Jesus saw her, went to her, and even though he already knew all about her life, he took the time to ask her questions and listen to her. And 2,000 years before the woman at the well, in the Old Testament we hear about Hagar, Hagar, I'm sorry, I say it in Spanish. Hagar, who is in the desert with her baby, she thinks she's going to die. And she calls out to God, and God hears her, and he brings her to a well where she can drink. And she calls that well, the living God sees me. The living God sees me. So I'm teaching in the seminary, and I'm teaching evangelism and discipleship, and I'm asking all the students to write down five names of people that they could tell about Jesus. And uh, they're starting to write down their names. I sit down at the, at the desk at the table, and I'm like trying to remember five names in Peru. We had just gotten there. We were the youth pastors. We did some music and youth encounters. But I didn't have five names myself. What a terrible teacher. Teachers are supposed to be able to do what they're asking their students to do. I couldn't do that, so I was all embarrassed. And I remember that night walking home from the seminary in, in Trujillo, where, the, where most of the band members are from, and I was walking with my briefcase going to the house, and I was like, Lord, what do I do? I'm a missionary, and I don't have any non-Christian friends. And as I got to our street, I saw there were four men doing what they were doing every Friday night. They were getting drunk. There are four names there, though. So I went up to them, and I remember putting my, my briefcase down, and I shook their hands and greeted them and asked them their names and all that. And as they started passing the alcohol, big old bottles of beer that they were filling up the glass, they came to me. I said, no, thank you. And they got all offended. Why are you offending us in our culture, coming here to be a missionary and offending us? We already know that you evangelicals don't get drunk like we do. But all you have to say is, you don't say anything. When you get the empty glass, you fill up the empty glass and you hand it to the next person. Now, in Peru, people in the, in the faith don't drink too much alcohol. And so I, you know, it's coming around, and I'm filling up the next time. I'm filling it up thinking I'm doing the good job culturally. And I think if the pastor sees me, it was Nicho's dad, by the way, that, play, that was playing the ball. If he sees me, man, I'm probably going to get kicked out of the church or something. I'm not drinking. I'm not drinking. I'm just handing it. Well, the night started to go later and later, 9 o'clock, 10 o'clock. Midnight, I was tired. Those that know me know that I like my sleep. And so I was like, you know what, I got to go and start saying goodbye to them. And I'm about to walk off. And they said, hold on a second. Do you play soccer? I was like, I love soccer. Yeah, I play soccer. They said, tomorrow morning at 6 a.m. we're going to play soccer. I was like, what about drunk? 
I was like, 6 a.m., it was a Saturday morning. I like my sleep, but let's see how these guys play with this much alcohol. And I don't know how a stomach could hold that much alcohol. So I'm like, all right, let's see you tomorrow morning at 6. Sure enough, I got up and made all kinds of goals. They were really slow that day. But they played three times a week, and we started to, I started to make friendships with them. When the most drunk guy's name was Titok, he was super drunk. He, he was in the hospital. He called for the, for the priest. Tell the priest, come to pray for me. He called me the priest. So I went in and visited him and, and prayed for him. How are you doing? The Lord raised him up, and he and his brother started to come to church. The point here is, and we talked about this last, I told that story last time we were here, but the point is, sometimes we have to make ourselves uncomfortable to get to know our community. Let me ask you a personal question this morning. Who could you serve in your community? We're so busy, we're on the road, we've always got our things to do, I'm the worst of them, I just get to the next place. But if you have eyes to see, who would God bring to your mind in your community, in your family, your neighbors, your friends, that you could serve in some way? The passage here says, in Matthew 25, 35, and 36, it says, I was, or is it? Oh, oh yeah, so okay, no, let's, let's go to, yeah, for I was hungry and you fed me. I'm going to read it from there. I have it Spanish on here. I was, for I was hungry and you fed me. I was thirsty and you gave me a drink. I was a stranger and you invited me into your home. I was naked and you gave me clothing. I was sick and you cared for me. I was in prison and you visited me. So first we talked about the importance of knowing your community. Second, doing the ministry. It's not just enough to know your community. You have to do something about it. Do the work. Actions speak louder than words. If you look at the verse we were just looking at, it's incredible to see that there's six mercies that are here. The food, the drink, the hospitality, clothes, sick, those who are sick, visitation. All of these are things that any of us can do. You don't have to have a doctor degree in theology. Any of us can give some, someone something to eat who's hungry. And it's interesting that it doesn't just say to go to the poor. It doesn't say that at all. It says go to the needy. Some of the wealthiest people I know live in spiritual garbage dumps. And they need Jesus too. People who are sick need to be visited. The way that we serve is the way that God, his hands and feet go through us to serve others. So we need to be, sorry, we need to do the work. And I know for you guys, especially in your culture, it's hard. We really have to respect people's privacy. Um, we can offend people easily. We want to be really, really careful in how we go about loving others, right? Am I alone in this or is that a reality in your lives? Especially since COVID, right? But we have found that God is very faithful to bring people to us when we ask him to. For example, when COVID happened, we left here, we were in Ohio speaking, everything shut down, we barely made it back to Florida to be with our kids, somebody lent us a place to live, and while we were shut in with three of our four kids, we said, how do we live on mission now? And we prayed the very first morning together, Lord, show us how to love people well in this time. No sooner had we finished praying 
that I grabbed the garbage from the kitchen and I went out. It was like a condo, a condo, a condo. thing. Building. Yeah, building. And I went out to find out where do I throw the garbage away. And as I'm looking out, I see a woman from far away and she starts yelling at me, hey, hey, are you from Argentina? And I'm like, how does she know? Oh, I had the shirt of Messi on, my, my soccer shirt, and I said, yeah, I'm from Argentina. She comes running over. Oh my goodness, I'm from Argentina too, and did you know that we are in a pandemic, and can you believe it, the schools are, are down, I'm alone, I have two kids, I have one with special needs, and I don't know what I'm gonna do because I have to work or else we're not gonna eat, and I'm so afraid because I think we're all gonna die. I think this is the end times, what are we gonna do? And I was like, well, nice to meet you. <laughs> My name is Lisa. We just moved in. Why don't you come inside? And let me tell you why we're not afraid of these times. And we started a beautiful relationship right in the middle of the paranoia of COVID with Claudia. We also got some really great food because she ended up being an amazing cook. God is so good and he's faithful when we ask to have eyes to see the people that he wants us to love, he will bring them to us. Are we ready for it? And I love the words of Mother Teresa when she says, we're not called upon, wait, we are called upon not to be success, successful, but to be faithful. We cannot all do great things, but we can do small things with great love. And this always makes me think of 1 Corinthians 13, right? That it says, you could have the tongues of angels. You could, be, you could prophesy. You could have the kind of faith that would move mountains. But if you don't have love, all of that means nothing. Can you fathom that? That we would have such great faith that we could move mountains, but if we don't have love, even that means absolutely nothing. This is what we're called to do. We're called to love, and we can love in small ways, and that will make the difference that God calls us to. It's just a little bit of effort but it can bring so much relief to people. I think about the passage we read. What does it cost me or any of us to give somebody a cup of water? What does it cost us really? Nothing, it's very easy to do. But what does a cup of water mean to somebody who's thirsty? Everything, everything, love, and service is so, so important. So we need to know our community. We need to be ready to do the work. And finally, the third thing is the challenge is to start today. Start today. We got to give up our excuses. We got to stop clinging to comfort. We all do it. I do it. It's way, way easier for us to organize teams to go do the hard work than for us to have to go to the jungle or work in the garbage dump where it smells and the flies. I literally swallowed a fly one time in the garbage dump. We have to let go of that wanting to be comfortable because when we're out where we're uncomfortable, we see God and what he does 
with the terrible things. So let's get out there and start today. And maybe some of you are like me, that you're like, oh, what if I say evangelism explosion wrong, or I skip a step, or I say something that I shouldn't? No. There's a, very, there's a Franciscan saying, I believe, that is very well known. It says, preach the gospel at all times, and if necessary, use words. We can do that. So I'm in the ocean swimming with my friend Todd Solvine that uh, the Beckers know, and uh, we were at college together, and the, the waves were so big that Todd said, hey, let's go measure how big the waves are. And so he said, I'll go under the waves, and I'll extend my hands, and you measure from my fingertips to the top of the wave, and we'll figure out how many feet these waves are. So we're both swimming out there and swimming. All of a sudden, one wave after another starts pounding us, and we realize we may die. And I don't know if you've ever been in one of those situations where you're about to die, but I thought I had two or three more waves in me, and then I was going to have to do like Jesus, into your hands I commit my spirit, Lord. You know, here we go. Uh, But my whole life passed before me, like they say it happens. I was like, this may be it. And out of nowhere, a gust of water pushed me up so I could breathe again. And I was, my first thought was, where's Todd? Because he was farther in than I was. And he, I could see a little head bobbling and going down again. And I was like, I hope he's breathing. And in the distance, I saw, I started to swim. I saw the lifeguard. The lifeguard had the life jacket. And he was standing on a little peninsula saying, hey, come over here. Come over here. And Todd was about to get there, but when I got out, I asked the lifeguard, why didn't you throw us the life jacket? Yeah, I said, you guys were coming anyway. Sometimes we're like the lifeguard, you know? We have Jesus, our life vest that can save the world from drowning, and we stand at the doors of the church and just say, come here, come here, and the people are drowning out there. That's why Jesus says, go and make disciples of all nations as we live on mission in our neighborhoods. Can you think of five names of people you could share about Jesus? Some of you brought them yesterday. What an amazing festival yesterday. Great work, team, that that did that. But there's a chance to go and make disciples of all nations. I like uh, what Tony Campolo used to call them. Jesus uh, never says to the poor, Jesus never says to the poor, find a church and go in, but rather tells the church to go into the world, find the poor, the hungry, the homeless, and the prisoners. This is Jesus in his disguises. Who do you know that could be Jesus in his disguises around you? First time I went to the garbage dump, we had talked about taking our young people, and we did, and it tore our hearts apart. We were never the same again. But Inkle Ink was born out of that. And Inkalink has now gone to the nine countries. We're hoping to open up eight new countries in eight years. But our youth group and some of the guys that are in the band were there with us that first time as the Lord tore our hearts because we saw Jesus in his disguises. Shane Claiborne says, God comforts the perturbed and perturbs the comfortable. How comfortable are you? God's going to perturb you because he's going to take you out of your comfort zone and serve others. When we're, when we're in our bed, sometimes at night we're praying for our, you know, our friends and missionaries, and we pray for the kids in the garbage dump, and all of a sudden our bed feels like a bed of rocks. How come I have a bed tonight and they're sleeping in the garbage? Now I'm uncomfortable. Lord, what can I do about it? So... 
we told you guys last time we were with you a lot about our ministry in the garbage dump. That's how Inkalink started. And we didn't study to be, you know, to run a nonprofit. Rich studied missions. I studied communication. We were the least likely people that God would use for, to start something like that. But we had learned early on as missionary kids that we need to walk by faith, that our life does not belong to us, it belongs to God. And so we just followed him every step. And he talked to us about starting a ministry in the garbage dump right when we were about to leave Peru, when the um, Alliance mission was saying, we want you guys to go to Ecuador. And so we went with the youth group and we said, guys, we're leaving. But we all, as a youth group, have gotten a call to serve those in the garbage dump. What are we going to do? And they went every week, and they started helping the undocumented. They realized that most of the kids didn't even have documents. They literally did not exist in their countries. We got them documents so that they could then go to school. They could learn to read and write. They could have, get out of that cyclical poverty of their grandparents and their parents and everybody works in mining the garbage dump and that's all they know. We gave them good food, we started a daycare center so the parents went to work and the kids would come and learn about Jesus and get fed in their tummies. We started a ministry where we would go house to house or I don't even know if you can call them houses, shack to shack, to help the parents with their children it was beautiful. We are now celebrating 17 years in that ministry. And you should see it. The community has been built up around our daycare. It's beautiful. Now, it's not all about work, though. We also know that it's healthy for kids to play, right? And it was Daniel, our guitarist's idea, one time to take the kids to see a movie. They had never, ever, ever been to a movie theater. And so, we took them, I think it was Ice Age that was showing. So this is a few years back. And the kids acted like any other kid. They were so excited. You know those theater seats are so cool and they recline and this is incredible. And the movie started and they were laughing just like any kid would. In the middle of the movie, one of the youngest kids, he had to go to the bathroom. So he went to the leader. He said, I have to go to the bathroom. Did you bring the shovel? Now, why did he ask for a shovel? As you can see in that picture, this is the context where they live. They live in a desert. They don't really have, you can barely call them houses. They have no indoor plumbing. They don't have electricity. They don't have running water, nothing. They don't have bathrooms. What they do have is a shovel where they go out the back door, they dig a hole, they do their necessities, they cover the hole back up, and then they put the shovel back in the house. So the leader says, no, I didn't bring the shovel but I'm gonna show you something better. And he took the little boy to the bathroom. For the first time in his life, this boy enters the bathroom and he's like, what am I supposed to do? So the leader shows him the toilet. This is how you go to the bathroom. The little boy goes to the bathroom and um, is about to run out and the leader says, hey, 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 you have to wash your hands. Boy goes back to the toilet, almost puts his hands in there to wash it. Leader's like, no, 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 that's not where you wash your hands, come with me takes him to a sink where he turns, he opens the faucet and water starts running out. <laughs> the little kid's eyes, where's this water coming from? Where's the bucket? He turns off the water, turns it back on, water comes out again. Turns off the faucet, turns it back on, water comes out again. This water is never ending. It never runs dry. 
And the little kid, he puts his hands in there, he puts his mouth in there, starts drinking and drinking and drinking. Then he washes his face, his hands, his body. Before the leader can react, he goes running out back into the movie theater and he yells, interrupting the whole movie, chicos, chicos. This is fun, but I found something even better. And all the kids, without any question, follow this kid out. They all go running to the bathroom, and it was the same scene repeated over and over. These kids drinking this water with so much glee. It never runs dry. And of course, all of us leaders are over there crying, of course. Of course, this is going to be what they need. And we thought about Jesus, who says, oh, you'll drink of the water that the world offers you, but you will never be satisfied. You will thirst again. But if you drink from me and my living water, you will never thirst again. And I'm, we're here, Rich and I, to say, if you have had an encounter with Jesus in your life. The best thing, our only hope, our life jacket. Then you're gonna be like this little boy who after drinking says, oh my goodness, I gotta tell everybody. And you're gonna run and interrupt whatever people are doing and say, hey, hey, there's some things that are good that this world offers us but I've had an encounter with the best thing. And when you drink from the living water, you'll never thirst again. So as we live on mission and we're ambassadors for Christ, I like the way Shane Claiborne says it. We're the body of Christ, not in some figurative way, but we're actually, let's put it on the screen there so I can remember it in English. But we're actually the very flesh and blood of Jesus living in this world through the work of the Holy Spirit where his very hands, feet, and ears. Everybody look at your hands a second. If you, lo if you love Jesus, those are Jesus' hands and your mouth and your actions and your life. If you live on missions because Jesus is your, is your hero and your boss and he owns you and he's sending us out as ambassadors. I like the way Paul says it, with Christ I am cru no longer, I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself up for me. That's what we're called to do, to live with Jesus in our lives, taking us where we need to go. Let's pray. Thank you, Lord, for your goodness and your grace. Thank you that when we mess up and I had no names of anybody to talk to about you. You give us those opportunities once we have those eyes to see and those ears to hear. Lord, help each of us as we think of five names of people that might be in need. Who can we serve this week from inside the church or outside the church that, that, are, that have your image on them? Help us to love you with all of our heart and our neighbors as ourselves. Thank you, Lord, for Cary Alliance Church. Thank you for their partnership with us. Thank you for them taking the gospel around the world and help us as we serve together to see your kingdom come and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.